Greetings friends, this is Will Nicholas, your Odd Rev, and this is the Deep Faith Nine podcast. G'day friends, it's Will Nicholas here and uh, this is the Deep Faith Nine podcast and I have a very special episode today uh, which is based on the episode in series one, number 13 called The Storyteller and uh, it's wonderful today to be able to look through this episode. The episode is about a time when Cisco tries to negotiate an agreement between two Bajoran factions and he orders O'Brien to escort Bashir to investigate an emergency that endangers a village. Uh, I've got with me today Braden French, who is the uh, Synod uh, youth worker for Vic Taz Synod in the Uniting Church, uh, but also a good friend of mine, and I've also been able to be on his podcast, the Work Experience Podcast. G'day, Braden. G'day, Will. Uh, thanks for uh, having me on. It's nice to be on this end of the microphone for a change. Just a couple of icebreaker questions I ask everybody when they come on for the first time. Uh, and uh, the first one of those would be, well, when did you first start watching Deep Space Nine? Um, I can I can tell you the exact uh, moment I started watching Deep Space Nine, Will. Great. It was uh, the 22nd of April yep. this year. And I can tell you that because I took notes. Uh, I had never watched Deep Space Nine before. In fact, I'd never watched Star Wars before, and it wasn't until the opening credits that I realised that this was part of the Star Wars franchise. Now, so, now um, I have to stop you there, Braden, because today is May the 4th that we're recording. It won't be released, of course, until Friday, but um, yes. today, is, today is Star Wars Day, but this is yes. a Star Trek Star episode. Tre- Sorry, I apologise, Will. Uh, yes, no... Of course, it is a Star Trek show, and it wasn't until I watched those opening credits I realised it was a Star Trek show. Yep. Um, but yeah, so I've watched one episode of the entire Star Trek franchise, and luckily enough, it was the one that we're going to talk about today. That is very helpful. Um, and yep. uh, the storyteller, um, which uh, is a really good one, uh, IMDb rates it as a six point one um, out of ten. Um, which is, you know, not bad for a Star Trek, um, for a sci-fi episode. They very rarely get much more than a seven and a half to an eight, so that's pretty good. Um, I've got some thoughts as to why that is, but we'll get to them down the track. We, we will, we will, and it's it's particularly good for us today to actually have somebody like yourself who's actually a complete, uh, well, as we would say, noob to this area, uh, uh, someone yes. who's never encountered them before. So it'll be great to get uh, an outsider's. Uh, take on uh, on Star Trek, but also on Deep Space Nine. I'm I'm happy to help, Will. So the next question I've got then may may actually uh, not uh, be as effective as it has been for others. But do you have a favourite uh, with, with all of the Star Trek you've seen so far? Do you have a favourite <laughs> Deep Space Nine or Star Trek character? Um, look, uh, Spock didn't appear, so um, that I have to rule that out. But uh, I became uh, Quite impressed uh, with the two young sons, uh, Nog the Ferengi and uh, Cisco's son Jake. I I don't know whether they're just in there for comic relief, and and I dare say that they play roles in other episodes. Um, but yeah, I, I found that uh, I warmed to them. Um, they didn't seem to be taking this whole 
stuck on a spaceship thing too seriously, and I, and I, yeah, I found that um, helpful. So yeah, probably if I had to split them, probably Nog. Yep. But um, yeah, the two of them, uh, I, I thought they were, I thought they were interesting. And Nog and Jake are actually particularly um, uh, great to follow through the Deep Space Nine series because they start out as 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 children, really. Um, and yep. they become um, adults because the series does go for seven years. So we really follow the pair of them through from that age of about 13 or 14 to 20 to 21. And so it's there's a lot of changes and shifts that actually take place for the two of them throughout those seven years. Yeah, I bet. Um, so um, that's good. Um, and um, I... Uh, there won't, there wouldn't have been a Spock in any Deep Space Nine. Uh, Spock did appear in um, some episodes of Next Generation and has also appeared in later movies, um, but uh, not in Deep Space Nine. Um, no. So, so no. No, and your and your keen listeners probably knew that. Uh, well, before we get stuck in, can I? I have a few questions. Could I? Could I? Um, Absolutely. Ask a few. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, on the Ferengi, those uh, are they gills on their nose? Uh, no, no, that's just kind of uh, facial ridges or facial shaping, as, and, and a lot of aliens. Uh, Gene Roddenberry was really big on the idea of of adding um, small ridges or facial shaping to um, people to make them appear to be aliens. So you okay. might notice, might have noticed all the Bajorans, um, the people from the planet near the space station, they all have a tiny little bit of a ridge just at the top of their nose before it hits their forehead. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. No, that's that's good. And um. Uh, all the people on the sort of this—it's uh, probably not called the star deck or whatever—but you know those who would be seem to be flying the ship. They've all got these uniforms with different coloured shoulders. Yep. Do those colours mean anything, or is it just sort of personal fashion? Oh, that's a fabulous question. No, that—that that is the Starfleet uniform that you're referring to. And, okay. Um, and so uh, the red colour is the command uniform. So usually somebody wearing red is in some form of leadership or command. Um, okay. The blue colour is usually relating to science or medical, so you will have noticed Dr Bashir in this episode yes. wearing the blue. Um, and then engineers, and for some reason security, um, they wear the mustard colour. Um, and yeah, okay. uh, So you would have seen O'Brien wearing the mustard colour in this particular episode. Yeah, um, yeah. No, that's, that's very helpful. Now, there is another um, uniform that actually um, is kind of a beige colour, and I don't know. Oh, you might see Odo. Yes, you do see Odo yeah, in this that, episode. Is he the librarian, dude? Yeah, no, he's, he's Odo is the, um, the chief of security for the space station. Uh, yeah, and but he's he seems a sh- like a librarian. He's a shape changer. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so Rene Aubergine, he was he's been in quite a number of shows over the years, um, and um, sadly passed away. Um, would have been last year, I think. Um, so, but um, he plays Odo, and his uniform is the Bajoran police uniform. So he's like the sheriff of the space station. Yeah. Okay. Buzzkill. I've got in my notes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So breaking okay. into the sheriff's office to steal his bucket is what the boys were up to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. That that explains it. One last question. Yep. Um. Commander Cisco, is he the closest thing to a human they have, or is he like some sort of humanoid? Because I just don't think he had any emotions. Uh, yeah. Is he meant to just be like a super chilled human, or is he something else? Well, he's a, he's a, he's definitely a super chilled human. Um, he okay. he becomes more emotionally active as the series goes on. Um, well, it wouldn't be hard. But in season one, he doesn't really want to be there. 
Um, so okay. he he's been posted to this this base station out on the edge of space where where nothing much happens, and he sees it as a bit of a bit of a a, a poor posting. Um, he yeah, comes okay. to love it. The other thing that makes it complex for him is that in the very first episode, he gets named by the Bajorans as a religious figure, as the emissary. Um, and so he doesn't really want to be a religious figure either. So, so yeah, he yeah. kind of just snarls and 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 um, yeah. and bubbles and 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 you know is is disengaged a lot. So, um, like a commander yeah, no. of a space station, there he doesn't want to be there. Okay, no, that that explains it. That's fine. I did, I wasn't sure whether there was this, uh, like, half alien, half human thing going on. No, um, which I assume is possible, or whether he's just yeah zero zero fun. So no, that's helpful. Okay, no, that that puts some of my thoughts into um, greater clarity. So awesome, that's, that's helpful. That's good. It's always good yeah. to get questions. And look, I think you're the first person who's actually come on with questions. Um, fresh eyes, Will. Yep, that's absolutely. what I'm bringing. Fresh eyes. Fresh eyes. That's right. Yeah. So that's good. All right. Well, look. Um, in terms of themes, um, Deep Faith Nine is about the intersection between um faith and theology and and science fiction, especially in the in the Deep Space Nine series. Um, what kinds of uh, themes jumped out for you? I think there was there was three things that really stuck with me. Um, once I got past the really terrible special effects, the first one uh was the role of storytelling in a community. And so we we see that when um, O'Brien and is a Bashir. Am I saying that right? Bashir, Bashir. Sorry, yep. um, Bashir. When they head down, um, and we've got this giant marshmallow Dal Rock thing. Yep. Um, and so yeah, I think it'd be great to unpack that a little bit. Um, the role of storytelling, and the role of storyteller. Yep. Um, in a community, that that was great. Um, there's another one. Uh. I think her name is is Vera Sul, the um, the Tetrak from Paku. Yep. Look at me. Well done. Like I know what You're I'm doing great. About. You're right into it. It's fantastic, mate. Mate, absolutely. Um, and so she's obviously a, a young female, um, inherited the role through uh, her father's lineage, and there's just a couple of one-offs and and little things there about the expectations and the gender how genders at play here in leadership and even um, old mate Cisco, who seems to be quite sympathetic to her, I think in the end reveals that actually he wants her to act like her father did. Yep. And and so I think there's some stuff there around leadership and generations and stuff that, that it, it was probably more subtle than the storytelling thing, but I thought that I thought it did a good job of capturing that. Absolutely. Um, and then the other one, I just think, um, the the sort of the apprentice down on um, the the planet, and I don't have that in my notes. The yep. apprentice storyteller who gets dudded. Yep. Um, he gets such a rough stick from that community, and um, this sense of like he had one shot, despite being chosen, despite being uh, mentored and apprenticed for all those years. He makes one mistake and they turf him out completely. Yep. And then he goes on to try and kill O'Brien and stuff. I think that's fun. Yeah. Um, yep. So yeah. So I think there's there's something there around uh, how we how we engage with leadership, how we um, put people on pedestals and stuff that uh, is probably a, a warning for us. So yeah. Yep. No, there's, there's a some, lot in there. Yeah. Um, some really good stuff. Yeah. And and I don't know that you know. Apologies if I've missed stuff or. Um, you know, because I have no background knowledge to draw upon. 
There, look, there is always so much more in every episode to be able to um, pull out than we can in that 30 minutes. And part of the reason yeah. for that, and, and you might, well, you will not have um, picked up on this, but Deep Space Nine as a sci-fi marks a bit of a turning point in terms of episodal sci-fi on TV because rather than being an episode-to-episode like Kirk and Picard were, um, Deep Space Nine had a, a, a cohesive story from the beginning to the end over seven years. So there was a meta story taking place. Um, and so this okay. is just one fragment in the midst of that. Um, so there, there, there's so much more going on in this episode that we can pick up later on um, in, in other, yeah. other um, episodes. So let's um let's get started then with um the the first of your 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 thoughts there about storytelling. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I mean the first thing that uh, struck out to me it's actually um resonated, and I've got it somewhere here. Uh, have you ever read Watership Down? Yes. The, yep. With the, the bunnies. Yeah. Yep. So with the bunnies, that's right. And um, so it talks about how uh, the importance of remembering a story is to a community's purpose. Yep. Um, and in that case, it's bunnies. This time, it's the people on this planet fighting the the Dow rocket, and this sense that retelling the story, not I don't not quite origin story, but retelling the story uh, helps uh, form a community. And, and I thought that was really um, possibly even overplayed in this situation. But it was this helpful sense of uh, how do we hold the story, um, and how do how do what is it, the story say to us yep um in in this sense i mean uh, for, again as a first time i've seen we've got a community that have really outsourced and externalized their own brokenness and their own fear into this marshmallow in the sky yep and they've placed the expectations on one person and for the start we've got this old dude um and then and then he you know no spoilers he dies and uh to to really like in a sense excuse them of that fear by defeating the uh that which is represented in this dalrock thing so um it raises the question of what what are they expecting from leadership there but i think it also says yeah that they're just excusing themselves and almost relying on the helpful narrative that 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 they've formed themselves. And yep. so it's entirely stuck in their own um, problem of their own making, but that in the moment doesn't necessarily help you. Like, I guess that sense of, it's that classic thing of when you've, t- when in the history of the world, have you, has telling someone to calm down ever helped them calm down? Absolutely. So that sense of telling this community, well, you're actually creating this problem for yourselves isn't necessarily going to help them overcome that but they're just overly reliant on this storyteller role yep to to help them survive and there's an incredible sense of panic amongst them isn't there when yeah. when the system that they've had in place that actually helps them to restore the the balance or the equilibrium um is taken away from them that that when um i love that scene when um they arrive when bashir and um o'brien arrive and they're scanning the place and bashir says no sign of any airborne infections. The soil appears to be free of pollutants and the groundwater clear of bacterial contamination. Gentlemen, I am Farron Karg, the village magistrate. I'm Dr. Bashir, this is Chief O'Brien. This village is in great jeopardy. I only hope you're not too late. 
and then they discover that there's just one sick old man and they're trying to work out, well, what's the problem here? Yeah, for sure. And and that, I think, is, is it the Sarah? Is yep, that, that's the name that, of the, the holy man or the one who tells the story, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and that he's waiting on he's waiting on the person to take over for him. Like, there's this prophetic nature to it as well that that person will be revealed. Yep. Um, that, that they will be saved through this person. Yep. Um, and and then I guess you know if we pushed it, there's this whole conversation about whether salvation is an individual thing or whether it is actually how the community acts and behaves and and who's responsible. Yep. Um, because yeah, they've definitely all very willingly surrendered their fate to one person or this role, this Sarah. Yep. And um, yeah, yep. I'm not sure that that's. I'm not sure that's going to help them moving forward. And yet the Sarah is completely meaningless in this. The Sarah, like they actually are the ones who create those beams of light that come out and actually yeah. fly into the dull rock. And so, so they, it's, they, they need someone to, to bring them to a point where they believe in themselves. Um, yeah. And, and there, and, and I, I like what you said before about the, the, the fellow who, the, the, the young fellow who was the apprentice, he gets really shafted in this because the community is prepared to, to put their faith in some Irish guy who's not even from their planet that who's yeah. just, who's just showed up out of nowhere because, because the, 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 of, of the prophecy, because of the old, old um, Sarah's prophecy about him. Yeah. So it's, it's Definitely. fascinating. No, and, and yeah, and he, he has one bad night and um, yeah, they cast him aside for sure. Well, look, do you want to talk a little yeah. bit about that now since we've segued into that yeah, part yeah, of sure. it and move into that whole idea of, uh, I guess, um, uh, rites of passage and succession planning? You know, that's kind of what we're talking about yeah, here yeah. with this one. Um, Absolutely. And I think, you know, there's something about uh, this community's developed this perception of what they expect their saviour or their Sarah to look like and to do. Yep. Um, and so this young apprentice, and I don't have his name in front of me. Um, yeah, I've lost but, it too. But <laughs> but he he obviously gets it wrong the first time, and uh, then they um, they cast him aside, and he gets all this bitterness and, and anger and stuff. Um, and ultimately, he, you know, he, there's a he gets a second chance, and and because O'Brien, in a sense, um, gives him a platform. But I think. Yeah, this sense of how quickly they were, despite their desperation, how quickly they were to just cast him aside, despite these apprenticeship, despite the investment, despite the, uh, presumably he he was he matched up with that sense of prophetic um, expectation at and some point. Going, yeah, no. yeah. So, so what? Why do you think they picked O'Brien or, or found O'Brien to be more believable than him in terms of a succession? Oh. Um, Perhaps this, this, you know, this mystical foreigner. Um, perhaps this, you know, we 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 trust. You know, perhaps the familiarity means blinds us to potential. Oh, yep. that sounds pretty pretty profound. That's actually. good. But, yeah. Yeah, you know, and I'm trying not to think too much about church communities and the way they chew up and abuse young adults. But um, there is that sense of well, we we they've probably known this guy for a long time, and so they're they they've developed their own assumptions about their potential. Whereas O'Brien turns up, he's he's new. He's got this sort of boombox and a dodgy iPhone. Yep. Um, he's got the Starfleet uniform, and they're they're willing to say, hey, this guy, he looks like the sort of 
saviour we want. Um, Isn't it hilarious how they kind of then expect he's going to relocate his family and live in the oh, village yeah, with them sure. for the rest yeah, of his yeah, life? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh no, you live here now. Yeah, yeah you you are our you're a hero now. Absolutely. You, you passed the audition so, for the job you didn't even know you didn't want, uh, and <laughs> yeah, and, right. and now you've actually got the position. You're going to be our holy storyteller from this point onwards. Yeah. And he doesn't that's want right. a bar of it, does he? No, no, no. Of course, no. I mean, they're they're completely nuts. They are like it's a really bizarre little community. But, um, yeah. I mean, although to be fair, I turn up and and there's that time when they start bringing all the presents and the food and stuff, and that would always convince me. I reckon it looked yeah. like a good feed. Well, I also you know? noted how um, uh, Julian Bashir seemed to be really enjoying, um, like sort of the the Scheidenfraud around that. You know, the the he he he's sort of standing back uh, almost. Uh, with a with a chuckle in his in his yeah, voice yeah. as he's watching um, O'Brien in this. He predicament. seems to have a bigger, better sense of what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Than O'Brien, yep. um, and yeah, no, it was I, I, I really did enjoy that for sure. Yeah, just as a, an aside on this, I, um, the fans will be unhappy with me if I don't pick up and moat while we're talking about um, O'Brien and Bashir. This is the beginning of a bromance that actually really spans the next seven years of the series. Um, these two guys, okay. they don't really like each other. Well, they don't get on very well. And you kind of get that impression at the beginning. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. One's, when they're flying down and all that sort of yep. stuff. Yeah. One's an officer. One's a one's a, a, a chief, uh, petty officer. So so you've got this this you know in army terms you've got kind of a a, a captain major rank um, with a warrant officer rank. And so there's all of these different bits. There's a conversation around call me don't call me sir call me Julian. Um, yep. one's much older than the other the other's just starting out but he's of higher rank so there's all this kind of interesting beginnings between the two of them um, and, um, and and the way the two characters evolve um, into or, or next to each other is actually quite quite um, I would say quite beautiful and, and profound um, but yeah, um, right. you probably can't see that from this point but this is really their first interaction um, in the series um, in this episode and that's yeah, cool. that's picked up in the um in the blurb I read at the beginning where it says Cisco forces um O'Brien to escort Bashir because he he really sees um escorting an officer as something that he'd rather not do. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yep. Um, and I, I love that Bashir gets to ask this question um that we all would love to answer honestly. Chief, may I ask you a question? Of course. And I'd like an honest answer. You'll get one. Do I annoy you? Annoy me? <laughs> what sort of a question is that? Well, the thing is, we've just spent the last two hours alone together in this runabout, and you've hardly said a word to me the whole time. Many of the others who yeah. have come on the show so far have mentioned how irritating Dr. Julian Bashir is or has been. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine, for sure. That's there's some good stuff there already, um, and we've we've already chewed through lots of our time. Did you want to talk about the kids now? Um, talk about uh, Jake and Nog um, a little bit about there. Oh, actually, you also want to talk about the the leader from um, from Bajor as well. well I, look, I think I think um, I mean it's a good it's a good element of any show where you've got these generations of play and family. So yep. um, you know we've got Nog and Jake there as uh, sons of some of the leadership and then uh vera comes in and and fair to say the others look surprised so we're at these sort of informal chats about peace treaties and that sort of stuff and 
and she comes into a um, and she's young, female, inexperienced, yep, uh, headstrong, and obviously um, the other parties aren't expecting that. And rather than thinking they will waltz over her, she um, defies that. And and in a sense, she is a bit of a coming of age for her, and and possibly her first experiences in that sort of uh, role that she finds herself in. But uh, yeah, I just found yeah, so quickly um, the expectations were for her to be uh, like her dad, to do the things um, the way they're always done. And then, yeah, she actually finds some wisdom uh, from hanging out with Nog and Jake, who have, you know, obviously a massive crush on her. There's not very, seems like there's not many, um, you know, women of that age who will show an interest in them. So there's that nice sort of teen um, teen story at play. Yep. Um, and, And And in that sort of mucking around, they help her find her wisdom and her, um, and how she would respond and hold herself in those sort of um, negotiations and stuff. But yeah, I, I just thought there was that. And in the end, it provides a nice outcome and, and she is true to herself and a nice homage to her father. But um, yeah, even that sense of how we expect our leaders to behave and yep. and the people in those roles. Yeah, for sure. And there's a sense for me when I watched it, um, and I watched it again just just the other day to get my head around it again, but it occurred to me that she was also um, not in a just position. Like, So the argument they were having was about land, and the river had changed, been changed course by the Cardassians, who are an occupying force who have just gone away from Bajor. Part of the reason why the yep. space station's there and Cisco's there is because Cardassians have left um, and Cisco, uh, the Federation have arrived and Cisco's now the commander. So while they were there, the Cardassians diverted the river in a new direction, which meant that yeah. she now has more land than she used to and the others want it back. Um, so she's not really in a just position either. She's in, a, she's in an accurate position, but it's not necessarily just, which is interesting. Um, for sure. And uh, Nog helps her to see that she has an opportunity. Uh, 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 we, we were just uh, looking for you. I've been busy. Is something wrong? You seem a little depressed. It's nothing really. It's just... There are these people who want something I have and I refuse to give it to them. How badly do they want it? Very badly. Is there anything they have that you want? That I want? Maybe this isn't a problem. Maybe it's an opportunity. There was that, yeah, just some nice interplay around um, expectations of the different generations and, and where they find wisdom and and how they are... Uh, what's sort of clouding their judgments and, and, and how they're making their decisions. And I think there was this nice sort of freedom that came with those younger people yep. um, as opposed to their fathers or, or elders and what they're um, expecting. Like, it's funny because, so at the beginning, we've got this dispute between the Navot and the Baku, yep. which in the end, so I'm trying to pay a lot of attention to, but in the end, I dare say we probably don't hear about them again. You know what's actually important, and what's this? What's the narrative of this show 
Like in the sense, yeah. So I've probably focused in on really minor details and, and missed some story arc that your regular listeners will be like, dude, what was that? But, um, you know, that's fine. That's but it's, fine. It it's was, good um, to do that from time to time. And I, and I think, yeah, um, yeah and, and what we have picked up on is, is a whole bunch of really good, um, you know, um, sociological faith stuff about generations and the way in which people um, are, are empowered or disempowered um, by, mm. by, by the society they live in. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, look, we're coming close to the end of our time now. We've covered some really good um, topics there. Um, was there anything else that you were burning to make sure got in um, or any other, other questions you might have had that have occurred to you while we've been talking about this episode? Oh, look, um, it felt like um, what happens if you put touched, touched by an angel on a spaceship. Yep. Um, so there was some good 90s cringe. Um, However, you know, I, I'm a, that's sort of my genre and, and time period as a young person growing up, you know, I fell in love with TV in the 90s. So um, some of it was very familiar and um, the special effects, have, they've only been ripped off by age. Yep. The fact that, you know, they're now 25 years old. So, uh, no, I think, look, I'd be keen to see what, like, when you tell me that Nog and Jake grow up, uh, you know, to see where they end up would be interesting. Uh, to see Cisco develop some emotions would be interesting. So, like, as an as an entry point to this whole Star Trek phenomena, um, it was good. I would, you know, I found, and you know, I liked. I liked. There was some nice throwaway one-liners. Um, yeah, I thought. I thought it was a good episode. Good for well, my first and only. Well, that that kind of um brings me to the the I guess the last questions I was going to ask you is um it was like on a on a on a scale of uh, one to ten of um science fiction shows you may have watched in the past, where would you put this one? Uh, look, it's it's in the top half. I'm actually um my favourite science fiction piece is um a, a like a black comedy parody movie called Evil Dead Three: Army of Darkness. Groovy. You know your shoelace is untied. He's a 20th century guy. For that arrogance, I shall see you dead. Trapped in the Middle Ages. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. This is my boomstick. Groovy. And so, so it's slightly different sort of uh, role. Um, my dad was a Star Wars guy, so I grew up watching them. Um, we never really went into the Star Trek. Fair, and, I, and I haven't, you know, it's not something I'd choose. It wouldn't be in my Netflix preferences. Yep. But um, in terms of, yeah, creating a story in amongst, um, in a sort of sci-fi setting, I thought it did a fair job, actually. I think, um, and obviously there's a, a greater ensemble cast that we didn't get to see, like the librarian dude, Odo. I reckon he's probably got something to do um, and something to say down the line and stuff. So I reckon there'd be potential for sure. And yep. I mean, seven seasons yep. of a sci-fi spin-off. That's not bad. They did pretty good. Breaking, Breaking Bad only got five seasons. So, that's right. You know, so do you think you'd see. be inspired to watch any more of it? You know, I reckon I might dip in every now and again. And, and once I can start commuting again, uh, like I've seen some of your, your guests on earlier episodes and stuff, and I reckon I might dip in, and that might whet my appetite. Yep, 
No, that's good. And look, one of the things um, I might do too, if you're willing, um, just before we finish up for the day, is um, I might uh, have a look in future seasons and see whether or not there are any Jake Nog kind of story arcs I can throw your way, because there's a few of them, and I'll, I might have you back on to have a chat with them and see how you might uh, oh. plot their progress. Yeah, love to. Love to, mate. Um, yeah, anytime. Thank you. Well, it's been great to have you on today, Braden, and we'll, we'll catch up with you again soon. Thanks, Will. No worries. Talk to you soon, mate. Catch you later. I've been Will Nicholas, your Odd Rev, and you have been listening to the Deep Faith Nine podcast for Never Odd or Even. Even.